welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your guest host for today's episode. I'm joined today by an absolutely amazing woman, Dr. Belinda McLean. Uh, Belinda is a PhD, has a PhD in occupational therapy. She's not a PhD. Um, Belinda is absolutely fantastic. She's been spending the last eight years changing the world of children with cerebral palsy, focusing on um, introducing and bringing the SENSE protocol over to Western Australia and trialling that and um, making some amazing headway on using that SENSE protocol with cerebral palsy. But that's not what we're here to talk with her about today, even though I do find that incredibly exciting and she does... um, completely inspire me and honestly she does make the world a better place for so many people Uh, but we're here today to talk about Belinda's experience as a mum so as well as being a um, professional in her own right Belinda is also a mum to three beautiful children she's got a three and a half year old daughter and then she has 15 month old twins a boy and a girl so um, I wanted to speak with Belinda today about what the realities are of having twins. I know when I think about having twins, I think, oh, I think as um, I've heard Belinda say before, twins are lovely when they belong to your sister. And um, and I don't have a sister, so that makes it even better. But um, so thank you so much for joining us today, Belinda. <laughs> Emma, thank you so much for that introduction. I'm a little bit overwhelmed um, with that. It's really lovely to be here and great to be speaking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, the person that told me that twins were lovely when they belonged to your sister was a sonographer who told us that we were losing one of our babies really early in our pregnancy, um, only for us to go home and grieve and spend a week resting and come back to a scan that showed two healthy heartbeats and two babies still in place, thank God. But it was, uh, (laughs) yeah, a great thing to hear when you thought you were losing one, maybe both in early pregnancy. And then to, and thank goodness everything happened the way it did. It must have been incredibly difficult for you to hear that you were losing one of the babies. And I think that that's, there's additional risks with having multiples as well that sort of does become um, this pressure of potentially the risk of losing one baby and the risk of miscarrying seems to be higher with multiple births. Is that right? Or does it just seem that we hear that more often? I actually don't know I do you do hear occasionally about a vanishing twin Mm. where you started out with two babies and one didn't didn't eventuate into an embryo um but I I don't know sorry I just threw that at you it's really Mm. (laughs) not where we were supposed to be going with the conversation sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) um so can you tell us what it was like when you found out that you were going to be having twins, what were your first thoughts? <laughs> Ideally without swearing, just in case that came in. No, it. I can tell you exactly what happened. We uh, had some early pregnancy bleeding and we went to emergency at King Eddie to be assessed at thinking that maybe we had an ectopic pregnancy or we were miscarrying a singleton, we assumed. That's what you think. You're just mm. going to have one. And the consultant said oh I'm not worried about your bleeding you've got twins <laughs> and my reaction was oh that's a different problem <laughs> oh are you sure <laughs> oh the swearing came after when yeah. I rang my mum and she had me on loudspeaker with my sister-in-law in the room yeah mm. how long did it take you to get your head around the idea that there was going to be more than one I think they might have been four months old <laughs> Yeah, right. Fair enough. It took a really long time. It um, 
we wanted two kids. We were going to be a family of four. Mm. We lived in a three-bedroom house. We wanted to live small and stay in our little villa. And we just weren't prepared at all. And I'm a CP researcher. So the idea of a multiple birth at 39 years of age for me was uh, a pretty anxiety-generating situation. Mm. I was worried about all the things yeah, that I bet. could potentially go wrong. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the joys of being more informed is that you are more informed. But with that becomes, you know, comes with it that you know the risks. Yeah, and quite a lot of anxiety. And clinicians who see you don't, they can't take into context everything that you know mm they just flag you for a psych referral. And that's okay because I was seen by a really beautiful psychologist at King Eddie who said, what you're going through is really normal. Yeah, It's really normal to feel a bit of anxiety and worry, especially when you work where you work. Mm-hmm. And when you're having a baby, yeah, let alone two at once. Mm. And because you mentioned you were 39 when you had yeah. the twins. So not only were you having twins, but you were an older mum having twins. Mm. How was that? Hmm. (laughs) I was 37 when I had our firstborn. So 40 was our hard limit. If we were going to have a sibling for her, and she was delightful. We really thought we could do it again. Um, See, this is the hard thing. That first baby lulls you into a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. And you think, I can do this. And then for me, I had... A child that made me think, oh, I'm not sure as I can do this with my second. <laughs> and you got, instead of two, you got three. So, oh, yeah. 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 Party in our house. Um, it, it, uh, I just worried. I just worried for the whole pregnancy about mm. being an older mum carrying twins. I worried about my ability to. I had gestational diabetes with Riley. I had it again with the twins. There was just, but what it did for me was give me permission to, if I was worried, to just present at hospital. Yeah. To just go to the maternal fetal assessment unit and be seen and be reassured. And mm. as they always say, we'd rather you come in and it be nothing than mm. you sit at home worried and it be something. Yeah. You got to go in. Or even rather you come in and it be nothing than sit at home and worry and it be nothing. Well, yeah. Like at least have your mind put at ease mm. rather than sitting at home and not knowing. Um, so, yeah, always better to present. And what so you spoke about um what being pregnant with the twins what was that like for you hmm it was i'm not a very well pregnant lady in my experience pregnancy is fraught with pain and sickness mm. uh i had a lot of pelvic girdle pain and i finished up week uh, work at 26 weeks and i was terribly nauseous from really early on in both pregnancies um but I wasn't mobile enough to walk from the car park into work. I wasn't even really mobile enough to walk to the bathroom from my workstation because of the pelvic girdle yeah. pain, which is excessive movement at the front of your pelvic region. Um, and the ba- and that was probably good timing from just a baby size. My yeah. babies were trending big and I was big and it was just a it was it was hard. It was physically quite challenging. That movement, um, no, not being able to walk from your workstation to the bathroom, that must have made it really difficult parenting a two-year-old. Yes. 
so we are really lucky. We've got a very solid support village and my mum lived 20 minutes away. Mm. So around the time that I finished up work, Riley and I, my little my little girl, started to move in with my mum and dad during the week and stay at home in our own house on weekends when my husband was home because I couldn't run around after her anymore. I just didn't have the energy and I couldn't do it pain-free either. How did you go with that? How did you go... Um I know that you are, I didn't mention when I was introducing you, but, you know, as well as being a professional and being a mum, you're also an incredibly devoted and loving wife and have a beautiful relationship with your husband. You're a, (laughs) so how did you go being away from him during the week? Um, He would join us for dinner and he would always tuck Riley into bed and and see me off and, but, and then head home. Um, But we just had to do what we had to do. Mm. I couldn't. I couldn't be with her during the day when he wasn't home on my own. It was too hard for us both. Yeah. So we did what we had to. You get through. And it is, it's a finite amount of time. Yeah. And you don't know when it's going to end. I was about to to say, the end is in sight. We don't know when that end is, but we know it's not going to be more than 40 (laughs) weeks. So (laughs) I was, I remember being told 34 weeks, they're coming 34 weeks. This is all too much. And then the extending it out now anyone wants them to be in a bit longer but I was like well I don't know if I can yeah and as it turned out I did for another week before uh Nevi showed signs of needing to come into the world early but it was we didn't know and my mum or my husband had to give me insulin injections into my legs because my tummy was too taut and there was no space to in- inject. For you can't do it yourself because you can't see your legs by that I stage. I cannot reach my legs. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So it was, it was tricky and I think really hard for the people that had to care for me mm. as well. Riley was okay. She was well loved by yeah. her nana and and my my and her papa and my and of course Scott, her daddy. But I think children are really resilient as well. So as you said, she's she's well loved, and for her, there's no expectations. So she's moving with you. She's being loved by this village of people who adore her. It's you and the expectations that you have around what pregnancy should look like or should feel like, and what family should look like. And are you, I, I wonder if you question, am I enough? Am I, you know, oh. as a mum, I should be doing this and I'm not able to. Is there mum guilt that goes into that as well? At that stage, I cried every single day, mm. every day. And my mum, bless her, she just was incredible. She'd wipe my tears away and she said, you're doing the best you can for all of your children. Yeah, And she's, and she'll point at, Riley and say she's fine look at her she's happy she's playing she's okay you don't need to worry about that but from the minute we found out we were having twins I had an incredible amount of guilt about what that might do for Riley's experience Mm. she'd been an only child she had all of our focus we thought we were just bringing one sibling so we could we were never going to be outnumbered she could always have one of us yeah and then suddenly we're outnumbered and we need to triage needs Mm. So we, I did a lot of reading about how to best support siblings when they have a new baby join the family. And yeah, there's lots of ideas around special activities while you're breastfeeding and, and trying to, when the babies are sleeping, doing everything you can to keep life as normal as possible for the older sibling and all that stuff. And I think in the early days, Scott and I did an admirable job, but we stretched ourselves way too thin yeah. trying to achieve that. 
But uh, the result for us was that Riley has been very much on balance, very sweet and gentle and generous and kind mm. with her brother and sister. We haven't had a lot of angst from yeah. her towards them and she certainly hasn't um, – Thank goodness she hasn't thrown or hit or done anything yeah. on purpose. So, fingers crossed. That'll come probably. And I shouldn't bring this up because I had, didn't flag it with you beforehand. So, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Is it concerning for you in line with that, that potentially what is this going to mean for Riley as they do get bigger, that she's potentially going to be left out, that the twins have got each other and she doesn't have that special relationship with a similar sibling? So she's actually not at risk of that at all. Okay. <laughs> they think she's an absolute rock star uh, and they follow her around like okay, so little actually puppies. she just could do with some space at times. Sometimes, yes. Yeah. We've seen her for Sparta kick <laughs> <laughs> kick them over when they've gotten into her space too much. Like I just said she didn't hit or kick them. Yeah. But if they're in front of the TV, she's pushed them <laughs> with her leg onto their bottoms <laughs> to get out of the way. Um but no, she'll run around from room to room with Callum chasing her after toys. Oh, beautiful. Bits of giggles from both of them. Yeah. And she snuggles up and reads Navy books. And they've got she's got her own relationships really strongly with both of them. But they both want to be where she is. So ah. I think the age gap, whilst really challenging in the mm. very early days, has turned out to be a very beautiful thing for them because they're in each other's pockets. Yeah. I have to check sometimes, leave that door open. <laughs> or if she's in their room playing with them, I have to pop in and just make sure everything's okay. Yeah. It always is, but I just... Oh, it's uh, always good to know. Don't, yeah. don't be shutting doors. Yeah. Don't shut doors. We have a very much an open door policy at work and at home. Definitely keep the doors open. Mm. I need to know what's happening. <laughs> so. I feel like they need to be able to escape too. Yeah, exactly. Most definitely. Mm. So when... What was it like actually having the twins it was it was a day where I had to go in for my clinic appointment and have a scan mm. and I was watching the scan very closely I know enough to be dangerous when it comes to listening yeah. to m medical jargon and I was watching the sonographer check and recheck and check again Nevi's cord blood pressure and then she checked her MCA her mid-cerebral artery blood pressure mm -hmm in her brain and the cord blood pressure was high and her MCA was normal high and I knew yeah I knew in the scan to come out she's coming today so I was prepared when the consultant came out I was very lucky to get the same consultant every appointment oh. for the month before they were born yeah and the I think largely must have been really oh fantastic. it was amazing yeah. I asked him if he would deliver my babies in the first appointment with him because <sighs> instead of Walking off ahead of me down the hallway, he stopped and waited for me and walked with me as I hobbled. I was going to say, as you waddled down slowly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that really spoke to me about someone yeah. who cared about me. I wasn't just another baby in a belly. Yeah. Um, but he, he saw me for every appointment following that. So on the day that they were born, he just said, I hope you've packed your bags because mm. it's today. And he and didn't had have... You? Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, but only the night before. Um, I didn't pack my hospital bag with my kids at all. <laughs> so when I had that exact same experience, I was like, you're going to need to give me half an hour to go home and pack a bag. <laughs> three times I did that, three times. You'd think I'd have learned. <laughs> <laughs> 
we knew they were either coming that day or Thursday that week. Uh, and the, But the only reason they would come that day, we thought, was because of something to do with my blood work. Yeah. Not because of the baby's well-being. Uh, Turns out my blood work was fine and yeah. it was It's the babies baby. that needed to come out. Yeah. yeah. Callum could have seen out 40 weeks, but Nevi was done. He was hogging mm. her space. Um. So he, I was very fortunate this this uh, this doctor, this consultant had agreed to deliver my babies. So even though he didn't have a list that day, he still he oh. still delivered my babies, which was really great because yeah. wheeling down the hallway, he popped out and he's like, oh, there she is. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's so good to see you because <laughs> I'd been just feeling a little bit anxious, but I knew if he was there, yeah, he would be okay. It's going to be good. And when I delivered Riley, uh, it was by Caesar as well, gestational diabetes and mm. inductions. They s- often wind up with a C-section. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to hold her. They whisked her away really quickly uh. and she needed CPAP. The babies did too. There were two doctor babies in the room, one for each bub. But they put them on me and Aww. I was just not prepared for it. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. Someone asked us if we had a camera. We didn't have a camera. Oh. We just had, we were entirely unprepared. So it was kind of. That was the one thing I had packed for all three of my kids. My camera was, I had nothing else, but the camera was there <laughs> <and> ready. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> yeah. Someone would have taken us a photo, but I just, I was a little bit, I just didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. They put these babies on me and I couldn't hold them because I was in full yeah. surgical gear and I didn't know what to do and and they did have to take them away. But it was it was just a little bit overwhelming. And then I didn't get to meet them until late the next day mm-hmm. and I just cried. I, yeah. I cried when I saw Nevi and she was doing really well. She was in low, low acuity mm-hmm. and had no cords attached. So they both she, went to the NICU? They both went to NICU. Um, Nevi was with me on day two on mm-hmm. the ward. Callum spent nine days in NICU. And when I went to see him, I didn't even know for days that he had black hair because oh, he has wow. the cap on yeah. and wax up his nose and every cord and trying to hold him. I just I just felt scared and anxious and the staff kept saying, look at your baby, not the monitor, which kept oh. beeping and alarming because cords were being knocked. Yeah. And look at your baby. I'm like, I just need him to be unplugged. I just need... Yeah. <gasps> It was, um, yeah, it was it was stressful. He was four point one kilos at thirty five weeks, though. There were yeah, he was a big boy, so big. But he needed to figure out his blood sugar was very low, mm-hmm. and he needed to figure out how to coordinate his breathing with feeding. Uh, but it was his blood sugar that needed to stabilize that yeah. took the longest. So it was a really, really tricky time mm. for for him. But he, I mean, he was always going to be okay. He wasn't the the sickest baby yeah. by a stretch but it was just hard for me to to see him in the full full NICU kit yeah most definitely and that you know I know when I've sort of been in hospitals and things and the there's that beeping I have this horrible thing of just waiting for it to stop you know and then what's going to happen if it stops beeping and what does that mean so to see that within it's your I mean 4.1 kilos is massive for a newborn baby but it's still tiny mm. they're still really small and to see your tiny baby covered in tubes and wires and all of those, how did you cope with the anxiety and the stress of that? I don't know that I did. I cried a lot. Mm. 
and got again got referred to psych because I was crying on day two with both of my babies in NICU and one of the midwives went oh I don't think you're coping you need to be linked with psych I was like oh I am don't worry I'll text them um (laughs) (laughs) and great that they are um referring you through to psych services and to be able to access counseling and support but also would you not think that's really quite normal to right right so when the beautiful psychologist did come into the room she said some people are just really good at treating bodies more than emotion oh okay but what you're going through right now is completely normal Mm. under the circumstances and you're under pretty trying circumstances and hearing that actually that that was a pretty strong theme for me when I engaged with medical services in the first day the early days um was that, uh, yes, some people are amazing at treating bodies and not everyone is good with emotion. A lovely young doctor in King Eddie ED as well because I had some concerns about scar healing from my wound. Summer is a terrible time for a Caesar Ooh. to heal well. Um, who Who's like, I, I, so I've heard you say a few times that your cup is full and that you just need this sort of, I, do you need extra help? Are you okay? I'm okay, but I have newborn twins and a two and a half, not even a two and a half year old. I am at capacity. Mm. That's all. That's it. (laughs) It was a a really bizarre experience because what that started to do was started to make me feel unwell and like I wasn't coping as well as I could be and it had me second guessing myself, which is tricky, but... So I had two postpartum hemorrhages, not after the twins, but one after the twins, one after the um Riley so I've been through a bit of a process in both pregnancies but there was a sweet midwife in my in my inpatient or what was really a day surgery appointment following the twins Mm -hmm. who said oh this is our twin mum we're gonna take you over here put you under a warm blanket you have a sleep (laughs) and she just connected with me in such a way that was really reassuring she's like you know when you're tired and you can't take any more and your baby's just screaming 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 you can put them down in their cot mm-hmm. and they'll be safe and you can close the door and have a cup of tea and just collect yourself and calm your nerves. That's okay. Mm. That's actually a far more helpful thing than anyone was able to say yeah. in that whole process. Mm. I needed her. Yeah. I needed her like I needed a lifeline with everyone else going, oh, so you sound like you're under a lot of stress. I just wonder if you're okay. Mm. I actually needed someone to relate. Yeah. And give you a practical strategy as well. Yeah, and permission. Mm. So often we need permission to put ourselves first for a moment. Yeah, and I I do. It's probably a conversation for another day. But I wonder why that is. I wonder why we would be more than capable, more than, you know, generous with giving that permission to our friends, even our enemies, and yet we aren't that generous with giving ourselves permission to look after ourselves. Mm. And I wonder if... It's, I, I wonder in part if it's because every service you interface with is looking at your child mm. and your child comes first. And yes, you do. And you've got, bond, you've got to bond and you need to enjoy and snuggle and care for this new life that's added into your world. But no one's really looking at you. Yeah. Not really. Or if they are, they just want to know that you're doing what you need to for your baby. Mm. What do you think would have made, um, you've spoken about that, particular nurse who was able to connect with you but also just quietly mm-hmm. babies are adorable and snuggy and easy to fall in love with and be the sole focus of everything a hundred percent i do just want to add that sometimes life with a newborn with one let alone two 
doesn't actually look like a Huggies ad. Oh, no. <laughs> so, oh, from it. Yeah. From it. Yeah. So in those times where it's not feeling like a Huggies ad, what do you think would have helped you to feel as though you were seen as a person, not just the person who was bringing these babies into an appointment? So I think absolutely just a little bit of understanding from the other mm. person on what it might look like for me at home. Yeah. Can you – I'm really putting you on the spot here and mm. I'm so sorry about this. <laughs> Can you role play that a little bit for me? Can you give me an example of what you would have – what would have made you feel like that? Okay, so instead of the young doctor saying to me, okay, so I've heard you say you're at capacity quite a lot. Are you okay? Do yeah. you need extra – like do you need mm. – do I need to refer you? Yeah. She could have just said, you've just had newborn twins. I know you've got a little toddler at home. It's hard right now. Mm. And you're healing yeah. post-Caesar. And I can see that you're worried about your wound or your ongoing hemorrhaging. Mm. Like it, it would have been so easy to go, yeah, you've got a lot on right now. I understand that you, this would be adding stress. Mm-hmm. We're going to help take care of this for you. Yeah. Because ultimately that's what they did. That that was their job. Yeah. And you still got to the same end point. It just would have felt a lot different to you going through in that journey to the end point, feeling as though someone was coming with you, not necessarily judging you and we need to get this woman another site consult. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is normal pressure and you're not getting any sleep. And it's not normal pressure. You had two newborns. That's, you know, that's an additional pressure. It's normal pressure and it's not even times two because it's not that you're dealing with – these babies don't need attention, you know, in tag teaming. Often it's at the same time. Mm. Mm-hmm. That must – I can't even – I just can't even No. as to how you do that <laughs> with two babies that need you at the same time and a not quite two-and-a-half-year-old. Mm. Yes, well, we were very fortunate during the daytimes. Mm. We would have support. My mum, bless her, was there every day. Yeah. And she was there for as long as she could possibly be, which was often right up until Riley had had dinner. And then one of us was stuck holding the babies while the other one got her off to sleep. Mm. And that <laughs> was often challenging because when one baby's crying, screaming, yeah. they're hungry or they really need to be burped or they just they need you to do something other than sit there holding mm. them and you don't have backup it's um it's tricky it's mm. tricky but we needed to get riley down we figured that if she was down then we had two of <laughs> us two of you and, and two of them could, divide yeah. and conquer <laughs> yeah absolutely but there were nights where <laughs> my husband would be pushing them in their cots well, bassinets, not cots, yeah. bassinets with wheels on them up and down the living room just to try to get them off to sleep. Yeah. And but then you don't have to transfer them. That's brilliant. Right? Mm. Yeah, just careful over the bump into the carpet of the bedroom. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but it was really tricky for me too because so Callum was in NICU for nine days and Nevi was just so small but mighty and with me on day two so Mm. she came home with us and and she had she was the hardest to settle Ah. and so my I felt like I was a little giving a little bit more to my Niku baby but he was also just the easier one yeah to settle so it's easy to pour love into a very calm Mm. 
seemingly compliant baby that's just doing what you want. And then there's the poor little sausage who's screaming for hours until it's after midnight and you just need to get to sleep. Then your tension increases and your shoulders increase and you're just starting to feel like you don't even recognize yourself. And they let out a little burp finally Mm. and then they settle and then they're asleep. And then you feel so guilty that you got so tense and so grumpy that you need to be extra the next time that they need you. No, no, no. I've got this. I really feel like I owe it to her. She deserves this. I need to give her more. Like It sounds like mum guilt on steroids. It was a lot. Mm. I really want to go to that. But just before we do... Because um, I don't even know how you tackle mum's mum guilt on steroids. Mum guilt is bad enough as it is, but to that level, how? But before we get there, how was it coming home with one baby and leaving one baby in the hospital? Awful, mm. awful. Riley had come into the hospital and she had met Neve, but she hadn't met Callum because he was in Niku, and he, she couldn't go to meet no. him in Niku. So she was very happy to just bring home a sister. The one baby that she knew. Yeah. And I was on the ward. I was only able to get in to see him twice a day. Mm. And my mum and my husband made it so I could get in to see him twice a day while he was still in there. Yeah. But it was hard to not be on site with him. But it was also hard when we said to Riley, come on, we're going to go pick up your brother. Yeah. And she said, no. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. I'm fine with just this one. Uh huh. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. No. We. She came. <laughs> uh, so you for the. So you left hospital on what day? I like number of days. It was probably day seven. Day seven. So you had two days going backwards for, to visit him twice a day. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I know that that's only two days compared to some mums who do that for weeks. Oh, and months. And months. That must have been so taxing to – because you don't live close to um, King Eddie. Well, it was only 20 minutes at that point. I still think that's still 40 minutes – 80 minutes in the car Mm. to make those two trips. But that must have been so incredibly taxing when you are a new mum with one newborn at home and a a two-and-a-half-year-old recovering from a Caesar to then be making that trip as well. Yeah. Do you have any memory of that or is it all just kind of like a blur of you just going through the motions? Uh, I What I remember is being in the car just thinking about him on the way there. Yeah. And then I getting there in time for a I bet you were just thinking about him on the way home as well. Yeah. Bawling, bawling my <laughs> eyes out. because you've had to leave him again. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But Nevi came with me. So in the morning trip, <sighs> mum and Nevi would be with me and I would – and I got to feed him and hold him and change his nappy. Wasn't that fun? Yeah. Um, you want to change his nappy? Oh, Not really. Could you? Um, I'm going to get a lot of that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I've got years of that ahead of me. Honestly, I don't mind if you catch this one. <laughs> um, so the morning was much more relaxed. But in the afternoon, it would just be me. Oh. And well, Scott came once or twice. But he'd, he'd fall asleep in the chair holding his son which was devastating because we were just so tired. Yeah. And then we also have to put him back. But very beautiful. Yeah. I do have a favourite photo from that time. You're mm. not meant to have your phone in there. It's very cheeky. I took one. Took one photo. Scott asleep in the hospital chair holding his son. It's very moving. But but meanwhile, there's two girls at home. One yeah. of them's a newborn too. Yeah. With my mum. Mm. So it was a bit 
it was a bit sad. I was very happy when he got to come home so yeah. soon after us leaving. Mm. That must have been – actually, it must have been an interesting drive home because – one, I suppose when you're thinking that you're going to be bringing home, well, you know, you're, you're pregnant with a, your second child and you're going to be having another baby and you think about the things, oh, we'll need to get another child seat, but it's okay because we've still got the bassinet and we've still got the cot and all of those. And then you're like, oh, but actually, no. And how are we going to get three car seats in the back of the car? And Kids safe. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> we went and got measured up at Kids safe. Mm. And then they so they do actually at KidSafe they can measure the back of the car and work out what seats are going to fit so that you can get three across the back seat. Yeah, you can trial mm. the car seats in the car. There, we had to get Riley a much slimmer car yes. seat because she had some Lux thing that went wide out in the wings. There was no way. Beautiful headrest and all that. Nope, yeah. sorry, we're stripping you back, honey. <laughs> yeah, she actually got a much better seat yeah. in terms of comfort. Mm. She's even got like arms that pull down. It's oh. great. But um, yeah, they were the only place I would even consider. I wasn't going to Facebook yeah. group it. I wasn't going to Google it. I just went straight to Yeah, let's say. actually see what's going to work out. Yeah, here. and the yeah. ladies, bless, bless her. She's just she's grabbed out all the models that might fit because she's seen all these cars before yeah. and she's put them all in the car and shown Riley her, the new seat. And it was, um, yeah, the only way. The only, mm. the only way I recommend people go if they have to figure out. Can you out. actually buy the seats from KidSafe or do they Yeah, just you can. Oh, okay, cool. You can. So you don't have to. Mm. They're happy to just do a fit and you can go buy them somewhere else. But mm. I just one-stop shop. Just stick because them in the car. we bought them, we had to order them, but they fit them too. So yeah. we had a booking for them to fit it the week before the twins came. Oh, nice. Yeah. We had to bump that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... What's it like driving? I know this is, again, totally off topic. It's very unlike me. What's it like driving in a car with two, two newborns and a two-year-old? You are not prepared for no. all the ways your toddler can increase your stress levels. We had to put cardboard in between <laughs> her and the babies because she would, to quiet them, she's very clever. Kids are so clever. She would quiet them by putting her fingers in their mouth. Better than up their nose. Yeah, but, but I know, don't still, know where. No. Well, is it yeah. though? Because, you know, Depends. where have her hands been? Yeah. And when was the last time she washed them really well? <laughs> I don't remember. So I don't want those fingers going in the mouth. It was really quite distressing <laughs> for me. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're brand new. They've got zero, like barely an immune system. Mm. So let's just keep that from happening. Thank you very much. <laughs> and But now we need to do it. To protect her from having a hair pull. <laughs> yeah, that's so it. it's come about. That cardboard's staying up. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's be eighteen back. and still sitting in the car. <laughs> it went away because she could play with them and give them yeah. toys, and now it's back just because <laughs> one of them really likes pulling on her hair. My scalp's just tingled at the thought of the when you're feeding a baby and they grab hold of it and pull it. I can feel it now. Mm. Oh. Anyway, all those years <laughs> later, I'm still goosebumps <laughs> thinking about them pulling your hair. <laughs> Didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. How did you go feeding two babies? Oh, gosh. So I was given lots of different advice with two babies, in one in NICU and one on the mm. ward. But the one on the ward being way smaller than a usual term baby. Yeah. Um, so I had a tricky time feeding Nevi, mm. particularly. She was so little. They just wanted her to put weight on. And so I was told I should feed her with the bottle yeah. and then wean to the boob. Well... That didn't really work out very well for us. But there was a little time that she got some milk, but we topped up with formula or, or expressed um, 
breast milk Callum was a gun from day one. Yeah. Who'd have thought? <laughs> but um, four point one kilos. I probably would have put the money on it. To be honest, well, <laughs> I wasn't sure, and they no. weren't very sure. But he did a great job. But there was, I remember sitting on the couch once in this fabulous twinsie pillow I was given by some friends at work and I had a baby on each side. I gave Tandem a go, but I draw, one of the babies dropped to one side of the couch and I was like, oh, <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to scoop them back up onto the pillow and dropped the other one, thankfully, just onto the couch. But I was just juggling, <laughs> dropping babies everywhere. And it was... Um, I don't think tandem's for me, actually. I you know. <laughs> this is a one-at-a-time gig yeah. or I'm feeding on the on the bed. Yeah. So Scott came racing in. He helped me <laughs> scoop them back up. It was all a little bit much. Um, so I was a one-at-a-time person. But I do, for me, with a toddler as well, mm. breastfeeding twins was really problematic. And I remember... At Christmas time, we just had family photos uh, with my whole extended family. And being at mum's, she's like, you have had a baby on you mm. for three hours straight. And we'd stayed there for a few sleepovers just to try yeah. to get a little bit of extra sleep because there's just nothing. Yeah. If you're breastfeeding and then expressing and then trying to sleep and then doing it again, yeah. there's no sleep in there. And I remember waking up in a panic trying to find the baby in the bed under the covers. And they weren't there. They were mm. in their bassinets where they should nice be sleeping safe safely. And, yeah. But there had been an, a very sad article in the news about babies who had died. And these are awful things when mm. at any time. But they had these poor, exhausted twin parents had fallen asleep with babies in the bed and they lost both of them. Mm. It's devastating. And so I've woken up beside myself and not well rested enough and I'm panic stricken trying to find my baby in the bed because I've seen this in the news and I've I've Scott's woken me up to give Callum a feed and I've gone Santa said no Santa said no (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just what is going on it's just sleep deprivation like you've never experienced Mm -hmm. before in your life but so so breastfeeding for us because of that and because we couldn't always sleep when the baby slept because we had a toddler as well two babies and two babies. So at six weeks, I started to mix feed. So yeah. I would feed one baby at a feed and the other would get a formula bottle mm. and vice versa. Because yeah. pumping for me was taking too long. I was getting lots of mastitis. Like it just wasn't. Yeah. And by the time you finished feeding and then pumping, it's time to feed again. Yeah. Yeah. So no sleep. And you need sleep mm. to function. It's just not. It There's wasn't. There's a reason that sleep deprivation is used as a kind of torture. Oh, yeah. It. <sighs> awful. Yeah. Um, And then at seven months, they self-weaned. Ah, but we got to seven months. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, I'm chuffed. Mm. I wasn't yeah. at the time. I was terribly sad. At least with Riley at 16 months, I could gradually wean her, yeah. and it was kind of. And you got to be part of the decision making process. But yeah, the fact that they made the decision without you. Oh, even my boy, he yeah. was. I thought we were, we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. No, I'm good. Oh, mate. Okay. Yeah, this is too much like hard work, mum. Give me the formula <laughs> where I don't have to work for it. But you know what? Then I could teach them to hold their own bottles and we did the thing that you're not meant to do. We put them to bed with their bottles so that they could go to bed, put themselves to sleep with their bottle and we put little miss off to bed yeah. and we're actually starting to find ourselves. And we thought it would be a real issue weaning off the bottle. Mm. But actually now that they're not getting it every time they go to bed, they're pretty happy just to roll over with their snugs. 
Yeah, I thought it was going to be a real problem, mm. but it's only a problem if it's a problem and it didn't become one. And it wasn't. No. Yeah. I think that's one of the things as well, that it's only a problem if it's a problem. So, you know, when new mums are perhaps cuddling their babies to sleep or holding them, and it's only a problem if it's a problem for that new mum. Yeah. So, and I, I think there's just something beautiful about holding a sleeping baby and, you know, and holding, just holding a baby really, except they get really heavy really quickly. But other <laughs> than that, um, but if you're comfortable and happy to do that, then don't let somebody else's thoughts and opinions ruin that for you. Absolutely. Take that experience away. So Yeah. Our firstborn was a winter baby. I held her all the time. Mm. And my my twins wanted to be held. They needed yeah. to be held. So we held them as mm. much as we could. And I think that that's totally fine. That phase is over so fast. Yeah, that's it. And they're all good sleepers. I hear sleep is genetic, so I'm really sorry if you're not a good sleeper. Um, mm. But <laughs> <laughs> but they they sleep pretty okay. Nevi's an overthinker. She takes a while to get off to sleep sometimes, yeah. but once asleep, they all sleep okay. Mm. So nothing that we've done to give them more love has wound up impacting sleep. So you haven't all. created a rod for your own. Oh back. no, <laughs> no. I always love it when people bring you're creating a rod for your own back. Well, it's my back, isn't it? So you can just, yeah. I love, I love the idea that you can't spoil a child with love. Mm, 100%. Stuff? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Love? Mm-mm. Yeah, no, there's definitely no such thing as too much love. And, and your babies are all really lucky to have that coming from a beautiful big family that's there to support you and support them as well. Yeah. So, and for, for people who perhaps aren't as lucky to have that support given as freely as it perhaps was. Do you have any suggestions for how to actually ask for help? So I think that when you have friends offer to come visit, Mm. give them a job. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to help. Not everybody knows how to help. Mm. And there is grace in asking for help and giving folks that thing they can do that is genuinely helpful yeah and if that's to bring some food because by golly you'll need that Mm -hmm. milk bread oh my gosh a girlfriend would drop off a bag of salad and a roast chicken yeah and that that's That's dinner done that's dinner sweet absolutely and it was easy for her to pop in on the way from work to Coles and grab those things ready to go and gratefully received Mm. by us um cook when you cook if you can cook extra and freeze it do it because there are times when you're going to look at each other and it's 11 at night and you haven't eaten and it's not okay you really need fuel for yourselves Mm. because without you they can't thrive yeah they can't even grow they need you you are the most important thing in the world but also you need your own health and well-being Mm. so sleeping well and eating well are vital and if you are trying to breastfeed and that's super important to you to make that successful you need to eat and you need to sleep and you need to drink plenty of water so much water especially if you're having multiples so it so though i would say ask ask for help and and if you don't have um, people that are able to do that or if you have or if you have a close group of friends and they're kind of staying away because you've got kids now and they don't know what that's like yeah. or they've got their own kids you can ask mm. you can they might not know what you need or I've got some dear friends who would just stay away because they think that we're super busy yeah so we want to see you so we'll reach out yeah so just come on come on mm. over 
please. <laughs> we need adult interaction. I need to talk to somebody, like an, an adult person, about something other than poo. Mm-hmm. If you could come over, <laughs> even if that's just it, hold a baby while I drink my tea while it's still hot and then talk to me about something other than poo. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Or hold a baby while I quickly grab a shower. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. Because when I'm starting to count on my second hand how many days it's been since I last had a shower. <laughs> I need you yeah. more than ever. Yeah, that's it. Um, And online shopping. So I, I do not like shopping mm. at all for anything really. So it's easy for me to say. Some people really like to get out of the house and they like to go to the shops. But in those first few days or those first weeks, the first 12 months is really tough. And it doesn't get easier, but those first six weeks to four months in particular Mm. are really really tough so i would say adopt online shopping anything that makes your life easier and takes pressure off what you need to do just to take basic care yeah of yourself in the house and your babies i hadn't even thought about the logistics of trying to go food shopping with two newborns and a two-year-old oh i never did it (laughs) <laughs> you haven't thought about it either oh no. i thought about it and just said no <laughs> nope yeah. i'm that, not putting yeah, myself not through that happen yeah <laughs> oh i remember scott said one day i w- i wonder if i should take the twins for a to the shops and just see what kind of response i get because he took riley to the shops once when she was mm. little and he got all the oh look at you yeah you're such a good dad can i help you with that yeah and i was like Oh, I don't know that I'd get the same response. No, I've just written an article about that actually in um, that where I think sometimes women can be quite quick to judge other women as mothers and can vocally share that judgment. And so in the article, I've sort of suggested that one of the things that I found useful was to say, you know, actually... I'm doing a really good job of judging myself at the moment. So I don't feel like I need your support on that. Um, It's probably the thing that I'm excelling at most in life at the moment. And, you know, perhaps if you're looking at a way that you can support a a mum, then just a knowing smile or, you know, you've got this, you're doing a good job might help. And I did write in the article and I feel like I need to qualify that, yes, I am saying that these are things to to say to other mums. Because if a dad goes out to the shops by himself with his small child, the world wants to throw him a ticker tape parade. Mm-hmm. So, and I wonder why that is. Why is it that we, you know, that society celebrates their dads and men for doing things that we take for granted for women doing? But not only that, we judge women for not doing it good enough. But if a dad's giving it a crack, he's a good sort. <laughs> So it's interesting that you shared that Scott had that experience because yeah, my husband certainly did with all three children and I, it was probably the thing that drove us closest to arguments because I resented it so much. Oh, gosh. And he longs for it because <laughs> he hasn't given it a go. We've both been a bit like, no, unless there's two adults, we're not taking all three kids out. I definitely wouldn't now. If they can both walk, there's no way I'm risking them going running in separate directions. <laughs> no way. <laughs> They will find the power cord. They will suck on it. That's it. Yeah, you don't want to find one climbing in a freezer. <laughs> like, mm, mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so coming back to on topic, sorry about that. Um, what do you think, what would you suggest? Or if you were back just finding out now that you're about to have two babies, what would now, say, now self say to previous self? Or what would you say to a mum who's just found out that she's going to have multiples? 
Oh gosh. It, it's going to be hard, but you can do it. Yeah. And they're going to pay you back in love in spades. Mm. And you might not appreciate it. I didn't until about four and a half months, maybe six months. Yeah. When they started to be really interactive with each other and super cute. <laughs> and when their sleep started to stretch out a little bit, which yeah. meant I was getting a little bit more sleep. But it's incredible. Mm. It's an incredible feeling to watch two little people who always have each other, who can connect yeah. with one another, who always look to each other, who Aww. sit next to each other in their high chairs and just eat off each other's trays. That's a bit problematic when we're around other people's kids. Oh. <laughs> uh, sorry. But it's just beautiful to see them. One of them goes off into another room. The other one has to follow. They're always together. And they're just, it's in, its so incredibly sweet that you can't help but stop and take it in and let your heart fill with that. Yeah. It's amazing. And the fear that I had in the beginning about the impact on Riley was really unwarranted and whether that's because we bent over backwards to make it so that she didn't feel misplaced in our family or if it's just because kids are really resilient mm. and just happy to have siblings and play friends it I wish I hadn't I wish I could just give myself a bit of comfort and let past me know it was going to be okay yeah I didn't have to be quite so worried it was all going to be okay does current you know that it's going to be okay Yes. I love my kids. When people ask me about having kids, I always go, I love my kids more than anything. They're amazing. Mm. And as individual babies, if they'd been born individually, they would have been the world's easiest babies and everyone would have been yeah. lining up to tell me to shut my face. <laughs> don't talk to me about your babies who sleep. We don't want to hear it. Um, but I, the work, the workload is, is heavy just because there's two. And we try to keep them to the same schedule but that's they're two individual people yeah. it's not always possible um but it's absolutely going to be okay mm. we're homebodies we don't mind being a little housebound just at the moment that's it that's going to work okay for us kids don't need to be out highly scheduled they need less of that so i'm okay and at peace with being a bit of a homebody right now yeah. but they're amazing mm. and i'm looking forward to seeing them grow it's going to be fine it's going to be perfect. Well, okay. It's going to be one version of perfect. It may not be the version of perfect that we sometimes have in our head, but it will be beautiful. So one thing I've had to do, because mm -hmm. nothing shines a light on your own stuff quite like parenthood, <laughs> is I've had to do a lot of my own work. So I realized I was butting heads with Riley. Uh, certainly as the baby started to become more mobile, mm -hmm. it started to happen quite a bit with her. So I started to read books like No Drama Discipline mm -hmm. and The Whole Brain Child which led me on to read a book called Mindsight, where, uh, all by the same guy, Dr. Dan Siegel, so that I could start to look at my own stuff. Mm. Why was I being so reactive about mm. different things? My girl is a screamer and a door slammer. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm a door slammer, less now, reformed. I'm a reformed door slammer. Because but you're a, <laughs> you know, um, possibly a 40-year-old person who's doing the maths quickly. You'll say no when they were born, yeah. So who's had the experience of having 40 years to learn how to be a reformed door, door slammer? Oh, no. I'm learning now because okay. I'm seeing my toddler do it. Yeah. All right. Okay. But rarely did life put pressure points on me such that that was necessary yeah. in, a, in, a, in a discharging of, of high emotion kind yeah. of way. But when you have a little mirror yeah. who's showing you 
what you're doing because now they do it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I never did it quite like this. If she's not satisfied, she'll slam it again. And one more time for good luck. I did not feel like it was loud enough. I'm not sure I got my point across. No. <laughs> Here we go again. So I've really had to do my work and, and find a place to be calm and be more responsive rather than reactive. Yeah. And I'm hoping that as that work continues, because all of us have work to do, mm. um, that I'll have a, a little bit of an easier time when I have two children in that same space yeah. <laughs> at the same time. That's going to be fun. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But every child is different, so you don't know how. But as you say, I think we've all got work to do on ourselves and it's a great opportunity for self-reflection if you've had enough sleep to be able to be open to being self-reflective. And and I think some of what you were saying there is part of the circle of security work as well with Mm. the shark music. Oh, yes. They do allude to a bit of that Mm. in, in the books too. It certainly is a lot of shark music. Yeah. Um, when you notice yourself being overreactive to something or hyperreactive to something that later on you go, mm, I, I really didn't need yeah. to jump on her for that. What yeah. was going on? That's it. Is this reaction actually appropriate? You know, is it warranted to be where I'm at at the moment? Yeah. And so it's the work underlying those triggers, recognizing them and trying to do better, not just for her, but for myself mm. as well. Yeah, definitely. And so you said that you absolutely love your children and you adore your children. And did that, and I know that we need to wrap up, so I'm going to quickly ask this. Did that impact the way that you felt when you had to go back to work? Yeah, I've had a really gentle return to work. I Mm -hmm. started out five and a half days Five and a half hours, not, sorry, not five and a half days. <laughs> what? I can say that is not a gentle return to work. <laughs> five and a half hours a week, mm-hmm. one day a week to start off, just to slowly come back, just to fulfill some contractual obligations. And that started when the twins were six months old. That was hard. Yeah. D- even though it was only one day a week, it was too early for me. Yeah. I needed longer and it did, I think it set me up to be a little bit at odds Mm. with my relationship with my work and I love my work Mm. I think that it's one of the most fulfilling things I could hope to do but but my relationship with it was really um put under pressure by going back too soon even five and a half hours yeah a week which can lead to you resenting going to work and then that changes your whole relationship with it and and while you have felt passionate about it Sometimes that passion can wane a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And then I've got a busy mind that starts to look for other things that might really excite me and fill that cup. And it just really, really, it probably is more like burnout Mm. rather than actually being done. I'm tired. Physically, I've had three little kids in three years. Yeah. My iron's very low. Like there's other physiological things that underlie some of those experiences too that we Mm -hmm. don't always put ourselves first and take care of those things well. And then on top of that, the guilt about being away from small, mm. very small children. And and then how connected can you feel to a workplace when you're only there? For five and a half hours. Such a short time yeah. when you know how big the scope of mm. that role is. So I, and I, did, I did have a frank conversation with my boss where I said, I think I came back to work too soon. Yeah. And she's like, you probably did because there was zero pressure yeah. from her for that to have happened. Yeah. Um, I was just feeling committed to a contractual mm. obligation and I could have got out of it because no one's going to pressure a mum of 
<laughs> a new baby to come back to work so soon. Yeah. Um, Especially not the mum of two new babies to come back to work so soon. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So it, that was – we do – we are our own worst enemy sometimes mm. in the things that we choose to invest our energy in. But that's a journey for me, balancing a young family with work life. The 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 strengths of my work are that they are fle- my hours are flexible. The the challenge of it is that it's it can be vast and broad and take up personal time, mm-hmm. and and I do feel more pressure on my personal time as precious than I have ever before in my life because yeah. I know that my babies are growing up very fast mm. and I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. So if I'm going to feel a little bit at odds with myself in my work, it'll be when it's robbing me of that time yeah which is again just a choice of perspective because everything in balance when I'm well rested I see that as an investment Mm. of time as opposed to robbing me of time and I can really tell when my when my resources are are full and I'm feeling a bit more robust because the the perspective I put on it is different Mm. it's an investment it's not taking anything but um and we work that as a family and it's my children don't actually suffer at all in those moments but my perspective on it is always affected by how well I'm taking care of myself. And I think that's probably key for lots of mums who are going back to work and trying to balance the challenges and responsibilities of of running a a young family. Trying to work like you don't have children and trying to parent like you don't have work and trying to, you know, feel the pressure of both of those and feeling like you're failing at both. Exactly. Mm. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not resting, eating well, Gosh, taking your iron supplements, somebody <laughs> in the room, um, then that can really wear you down and make both jobs hard to fill. Yeah. And a couple of things that you've mentioned that I just want to touch on for a minute. So you spoke about feeling like your cup was overflowing and then we're also talking about being, a, um, you know, filling a cup. They're two different cups. So I always talk about the cup that's overflowing as being, I talk about a bucket, so an energy or emotional bucket. And so positive things can pay into that bucket and negative things pay into that bucket, but they fill the bucket. Each of us have a different size bucket. So sometimes, and I think it can depend on who you are and at what stage and what you're going through, but sometimes our bucket can be the size of a thimble and it doesn't take much for that bucket to overflow. We've got a hole in the bottom of the bucket that's helping it drain and empty, but sometimes depending on what you've got going on in your life, there's algae build up in that or there's a whole heap of hair clogging the drain and it's taking a lot for the, you know, for the energy to be able to drain out of that bucket and for us to be able to reset and to be able to regulate our emotions and to be able to cope mm. and so I think that when you're coming home with two newborns they've been, one's been in the NICU for nine nine days you've had to leave him there plus you're trying to learn how to how to care for two newborns you've had a Caesar you've got a small child walking around is painful all of that pays into that bucket. Plus you've got people coming to visit and that's lovely and that's exciting, but that goes into that bucket as well. It doesn't take long before that bucket overflows, even if your bucket's the size of a swimming pool. Mm. Then you talk about a cup and we say we can't pour from an empty cup and that's where self-care comes in. So self-care, self-care isn't ju- it shouldn't be meeting your basic needs. So remembering to eat three meals a day shouldn't actually qualify as self-care. Having five minutes to be able to brush my own hair shouldn't count as self-care. Or, oh, I got to take an hour out so I could go food shopping all by myself today. Oh, that's not alone time? (laughs) Uh, Well, it depends which side on the internet you look at because... I'm led to believe on some popular mum sites that, yes, actually, that is. That's amazing self-care. No, 
So, so it's about actually going, you know what, take, what are the things that are going to fill your cup? What's mm. going to fill you up so that you can actually be able to function and to be able to survive and to be able to thrive? And as you say, we can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. We can't look after our small people if there's nothing left of us. So I always think it's really useful to remember it's not about being selfish it's about actually giving to other people by making sure that there's enough of me to look after them. Because yes. if there's nothing left of me, who's going to look after them then? Well, that's it. So <laughs> that's it. So really, you know, when you think, oh, well, I can't take this time to go out and have coffee with a friend because, you know, then I'm going to be away from my children and I'm already away from them for five and a half hours a week because I've got to work. So I'm giving up this time that I could be with them. But what? What does it give you the capacity to do if you do take that time? Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to touch on that because mm. I just thought it was useful to perhaps draw it out a little bit. Yeah. Mm. I think also some sometimes we can overthink self-care too because it isn't necessarily finding a sitter so you can go for an hour-long massage either. No, and it doesn't need to cost you anything. No. Despite the ads that are all over everything about women's self-care. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Yeah. But you could just yourself up and go for a walk in your local park or at the beach whatever, wherever natural place fills you that's it fills your spirit and and that's it so what are the things that bring you most joy is there a way that you can actually do some of that and it doesn't have to be the whole thing if you enjoy art is there a way that you can pick up a sketchbook and while your baby's sleeping do a doodle do you know for me it was taking a photo and then writing a little instagram post with it ah. that was my because i like to write yeah that was my creative outlet was yep. taking a photo that i'd taken and then writing a little something and sometimes it's just like uh, how cute um and then sometimes it was like a really proper connected some yeah. a, a thing i needed to express and get out in the world and that for me was one of the ways that i connected with myself mm. and filled my own cup yeah. was because creative expression was important to me is important to me and i think when you've got newborn babies at any you know with just one let alone two and another um, toddler as well perhaps sitting down to write full blog posts or perhaps sitting down to write a book then might not be the most practical <laughs> idea and perhaps that's perhaps that's setting up to fail but is there a way that you can do part of that and mm. so writing that instagram post gave you that creative outlet without ne it needing to be too big and then that becoming another stressor and paying into that bucket that we were talking about exactly that and making my own coffee when someone came over to hold my baby oh let me make your coffee no please just you hold my child yeah i need a moment that's it i sometimes think actually making the coffee that can be part of that mindfulness pro process. But it's a ritual. Yeah. Mm. And going through that ritual and slowing down and being able to find that. So Connected with self without needing to hold, nurse, feed, comfort someone else. Yeah. Nobody's touching you. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so um, just to wrap up, what kind of – what hints or tips do you have for new parents who have potentially got multiple children? Um, or what hints or tips do you have for – friends or family members who have got multiple children okay uh for friends and family check in mm. check in check in take food respect their boundaries if you've invited the new family somewhere and they say oh, we just can't i'm so sorry just mm. just let that be it's a lot yeah. It's a lot to adjust to. And they've got two new babies to figure out and routines to f to respect and sleep, their sleep, 
the baby sleep. It's all so important. And at the moment, in those early days, night and day are not very different. <laughs> so just just be gentle. Give them some time. But definitely check in. See how they're going. Go around if you can and hold babies. Fold their laundry. Put it away. Just whatever would yeah. be helpful. Whatever you would like for yourself if you couldn't get to everything just mm. just do it don't even ask them i just go around there and fill their fridge and make them a sandwich just <laughs> make sure they're fed and have showered yeah. <laughs> they'll love you forever they're probably already real but do that it'll be extra sweet for new parents be gentle mm. this with yourselves and with each other yes having two or more because let's not forget our triplet and quad mums and dads mm. When you have more than one baby, when you have one new baby, there's a lot of pressure mm. on each other and and on yourself to meet their needs, to learn their needs, to learn the new system of however many children you have, meeting their care needs and figuring out what your new expectations are because your expectations of each other will shift and you may not be communicating well what you think each person should be picking up. And there's a lot mm-hmm. to pick up. So be gentle. Try to say what you need. And hang in there. Yeah. Hang in there. I think that's a really good tip for all new mums, or for all women actually. Try and say what you need. Yes. And I think that it's really useful not to expect other people to be mind readers. None of us are. Mm. And the other thing... It's a shame, isn't it? It'd be really helpful. Actually, sometimes it really wouldn't be helpful, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Sometimes it's good that's an inside voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And sleep is so crucial that if you can get someone to come around so that one or both of you can get a good chunk of sleep, Mm. that would be amazing. We, We would go and sleep at my parents' house because they were well set up. For many people at one time. Yeah. Um, but if you can have someone come around just so that you can get a block of sleep. Because sleep is hard to come by in those first mm. weeks. And it's crucial to functioning. Like we said before, sleep, food and water. Yeah. you got to make sure that you're having them. Mm, definitely. As much as possible, I think. Or maybe with the food, not necessarily as much as possible. But healthy food is always good. And there's a few other things about how, how can I safely put my baby's down so I don't have to hold them constantly there's a few things to look for like a twinsy pillow or a, a pillow that will hold and support both babies we had a twinsy pillow because it was gifted to us mm-hmm. and it was amazing to be able to put the bubs down on just to rest if they were awake yeah. but but content mm. um, and then we could have one <laughs> my husband would bottle feed them in there if he had to feed both at once um, and then being comfortable with popping them in their bassinet or yeah. they're caught and knowing that they're safe there. Yeah. If they're if they're upset but you can't get to them right away, that's okay. Because mm. you're coming. And most times that they cry, you're there. Yeah. So if this time you can't because, oh my goodness, you're having a shower, <laughs> finish your shower and then go to them. They're okay. They're safe. Mm. That's it. I think that's the key thing is make sure they're safe. And then what are you – are you meeting their needs? Yes. So – and yes, you are. And just be really okay. With giving them those cuddles in those early days. Mm. My gosh, before you know it, they're going to run you off your feet with their running. But just hold them when they're so little and snuggy 
and delicious. Mm. Oh, soak that up. Let that fill your tank. Yeah. I always think as well that, you know, I love my children. I love my children so much, but I just love them that little bit more when they're sleeping. You know, <gasps> just from watching them sleep just for a moment mm. and just to fill that love cup up that, you know, they're just, they are adorable when they're sleeping. I mean, as I said, I do love them when they're awake as well. <laughs> just that bit more when they're sleeping. <laughs> or, th- or when they voluntarily give you that extra big squish hug. Mm. So good. Yeah. It's priceless. Yeah. Ah. All right. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to add? Oh, gosh. No, not right now. I can't think. But thank you so much for the opportunity to come and speak with you today. I've had fun. Yeah, me too. I will also put in the show notes a link through to the uh, Multiple Births Association that we did forget to talk about. Oh, yes. The Multiple Births Association of WA is amazing. Oh, don't ever buy a breast pump. That's something that I should have said. Ah. Don't ever buy a breast pump. Just join the Multiple Births Association and hire one. For $10 a month. Because you can't sell those things secondhand. I've got one. No one wants it. You're not allowed to. Well, you can. Yeah, you've just got to call them. I think what is it? A human milking machine? Oh, you or can't. Something like you that. can't sell them on Facebook. Yeah. You know, but you can on Gumtree. Ah. So there's that. But um, yeah, don't buy a breast pump. They've got a whole lot of other resources that you can. Uh, they say hire, but really it's loan. Yeah. Borrow like a library for free. It's like a thirty-five dollar a year membership, or ten dollars if you have. Is it ten dollars or five dollars? That's no, five or ten bucks a year if you've got school-aged kids or oh, a wow. concession card. Mm. And they've got lots of social support, lots of coffee groups that catch up. And um, they can really connect you with lots of other multiple families. So, oh, shout out to them. Yeah. And I think you don't know what you don't know. So, mm. often when you're able to connect with other people who are in a similar situation, similar circumstances, you, you can fire off each other. And, yeah. you know when you don't know where to start looking for something or you didn't even know that there was likely to be resources available, somebody else in the room, whether that's an actual room or a virtual room or whatever, but somebody else in that circle may have walked the steps that you're walking right now and can do that with you. Absolutely. And it's quite lovely this week. We've had all the loads of mums share their first day of kindy photos of their twins starting school, which is really sweet because we're all in, it's my singleton starting school, but we're all in this together. And it's just, it's, it is a really neat forum to be, to be a part of yeah oh fantastic so yes as i said i will pop that into the show notes so that we can link that if there are are any mums or people listening who've got multiple children that could be a um, useful resource for you but as i said thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your experiences and coming along with me on the tangents for the conversation as well i really appreciate it (laughs) thank you so much for having me Thank you for joining me for today's episode of The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Service. It's been my absolute pleasure to chat to Belinda and learn more about what it means to be a mum of twins and so many things I hadn't even thought about. We did have every intention of speaking more about the Multiple Birth Association of Western Australia, but we just ran out of time. Uh, I will include the link for Multiple Birth Association of WA in the show notes. So if you or anyone you know is a parent of multiple, she can head on over there and find out more. So thank you again for joining me today and tune in in two weeks for the next episode of The Hidden World of Women. to The Hidden World of Women, the podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. 
You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube by looking up Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. You can also find us at our website www.whws.org.au. Bye.